Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You don't put those inside of you, do you? This is a show about women. I mean, you do? Finally, a show about women that isn't just a thinly veiled aspirational nightmare. It's not hosted, not narrated, we're just dropping into a woman's world. I found out when my dad was gay when I was 10. We were in a convertible on the 405 freeway, listening to the B-52s. Looking back, I should have said, this is gay. This is already all gay. <laughs> Listen to Finally a Show on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Vanessa Bayer, and this is my brother, Jonah. And we are so excited to have you hear the latest season of our nostalgia-themed podcast, How Did We Get Weird? Not only do you get to know me and my brother, you get to know the stories that made us the absolutely rad people we are today. Check out our episodes where we've welcomed hilarious guests like our friend Andy Samberg. That's it! That's really it! And Queen Casey Wilson. I really went cart before the horse. I said, I think I have an opportunity to interview Leonardo DiCaprio. (laughs) As a high school student. And you do not want to miss out on our funny segments like (laughs) Change.Dork. Change.Dork. And congratulations, you played yourself. Congratulations, you played yourself. Listen to our podcast, How Did We Get Weird, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Ridiculous Crime is a production of iHeartRadio. Zarin. Elizabeth. Zarin. Elizabeth. You know it's ridiculous? Elizabeth, yes. <laughs> yes, I do. Yeah, I'm ridiculous. I have something for you. You ready? Mm-hmm. I found the rare instance of the good application of crystal methamphetamine. Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> of course you would. So on March 18th, 1944, mm-hmm. there was this young man. We'll just call him Zarin, but he wasn't. But it was a 27-year-old named Imo Kavunin. Okay. He this dude, this cat, he was uh Kavuni. he was in a, the he was a Finnish ski unit, right? And this is World oh, War II. He's yeah, a yeah. he's a combatant. Yeah. He's up there in Lapland in Ooh. Finland, right? Yeah, the northernmost region, real, mm-hmm. real tough. He's out there and he gets attacked by superior Soviet forces. Mm-hmm. So he's forced to retreat through deep snow. So he finds finds that he is exhausted. What's he do? He takes a bunch of uh crystal meth. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And uh he has just one pill. He just blasts off in and his And that face. one pill is like, I'm oh, sorry, he didn't have one pill. He had 30 pills. Normally you take one pill. He takes all 30 pills, <gasps> right? So he's got like a ton of energy. And he, a heart attack. Yeah, he starts going. He goes uh, 62 miles. What? <laughs> <laughs> it's 100 kilometers. He's high, alone, no food, nothing. Just because he doesn't even have a gun or ammunition at this point. He's just skiing. Just looking for a Walmart. Yeah, exactly. So uh, he gets blown up by a landmine at some point. <gasps> Keeps going. Oh, Wait, yep, blown makes, up. Yeah, well, yeah, the land, like the landmine goes going? off. I don't oh. know like how, how badly. I, I thought mean, the, everything was the landmine exploded. I imagine he gets propelled like when forward. A lizard just yeah, I, I caught it. Like Jesus lizard, but the landmine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. So uh, he manages to make it back to Finnish territory. He weighed only ninety four pounds when he gets back. Was he like two ten when his, he left? Yeah, his heart rate was two hundred beats <gasps> per minute, which is like right up there around like heart attack range. Yeah, yeah exactly. So I thought, well, that's ridiculous. That is. <laughs> It is plenty ridiculous. Well done, you. Thanks. Do you want to know what else is ridiculous? I'm here for it. Being attractive while being unattractive. Oh, tell me my life story. Go on. 
This is Ridiculous Crime, a podcast about absurd and outrageous capers, heists, and cons. It's always 99% murder-free and 100% ridiculous. You're damn right. It's a tale as old as time. A con as old as crime. Ooh, nice rhyme. You like that? A person claims to be wealthy, like filthy rich. Actually, let's play this out instead of me just explaining it. Zarin, in this scenario, I'm super rich. Okay. Right? Can I be Richie Rich? No. You can tell that I'm rich <laughs> uh-huh. because I just told you that I summer with Jeff Bezos. Oh, yeah, you're Like rich. in those weird, like, polyester shirts. Yeah. Like, I just got back from a fabulous costume party at Bernard Arnault's compound in Tuscany. Oh, yeah, I've heard of him. I taught... <laughs> I know Z- where Tuscany I is. taught Zuckerberg how to surf. Oh, Lord. Right? I rejected Warren Buffett's advances, but we're still friends. <laughs> like, I'm that rich. If you need me, I'll be staying at the penthouse suite at the Ritz-Carlton. You're fighting Paul Allen over shrimp? Yes. You can tell that I'm there because my Maybach will be parked out in front. Uh, She's parked took- next to Rick Ross's? Yes. Uh, yes. You know I'm about it. I took you out to lunch at Quince in San Francisco last week. Oh, look at that. We had us. a wonderful time, right? Ah, amazing. George Lucas was so gracious to stop by the table and say hello. So clever, too. He complimented me on my Laurel Piano jacket. Piano jacket. He made that weird face when I told him I loved the Star Trek. That's true. <laughs> it was That's weird. True. I was like, come on, man, be cool. But when he complimented my Laurel Piana jacket, yeah. you looked it up later and you saw that it's over $16,000 for the jacket. Yeah, I wasn't want to talk about that. I know. That here's, was amazing. Here's the thing, though, Zarin. Yes. Um, I'm in a bit of a spot. Okay, it's, hit me. It's quite embarrassing, really. See, my accountant was moving some funds around for me doing the old Cayman Shuffle. Oh, yes, I, I know like how it say. goes, yes. All of my liquid funds were put into my real estate investment holdings, and I can't access my Swiss accounts because it's a holiday there, oh, as course. you well You're know. You're not liquid right now. I it's, know how this goes. It's such a mess. It's a he- headache. I just wish someone could front me like $100,000 to hold me over until the banks open up, you know, tomorrow. For the weekend, of course. And and then we can get the whole account thing sorted out. Naturally. What's what's that, Zarin? In this, in this scenario, you're not wealthy, but you're on your way there. Oh, good. Look yeah. at me. You're Up and also comer, a striver. <laughs> you're uh, you're a social climber. Yeah, that too. And Sharp you would elbows. Love to get in with all my fabulously rich and famous pals. I would definitely would. I would want to get to know them. I can help you. I want to take a swing at Paul Allen over the shrimp there too. There it is. I can help you. You can help me. But you have to help me. Of course. What can I do to help you? Front me a hundred thousand dollars, and I'll pay you back two hundred thousand dollars next week. What a deal! Right? That's an investment. Consider it done. And then, like, the two of us will just jet off to a relaxing holiday at the St. Regis Bora Bora. Why not? Of course. My treat. Let's go to St. Kitts. I prefer The staff there are so attentive, though. Oh, that is true. And discreet, if you know what I mean. Very important. So you would 100% give me my money, right? Probably 110%. Yeah. Now... I told you all about my adventures with the world's billionaires, but that's a pack of lies. What? Nah. And I told you I stay at the Ritz, but I don't. What? It's not my Maybach out in front. No. It's Rick Ross's. I just come in <laughs> through the side entrance and I meet people in the lobby. And the last dupe I had fronted me cash that paid for my understated luxury clothes and accessories, as well as that lunch we had at Quince. Wait a minute. You're telling me you're basically just a Rockford Files plot? <laughs> yes. And you know what else I'm going to tell you? We're never going to Bora Bora. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. This has been a terrible day. And here's another thing. As Bruce Springsteen would say, I ain't a beauty, but yeah, I'm all right. <laughs> the truth is, in this scenario, I'm not the best looking gal. But for both men and women, money can make someone very attractive, intoxicating even. Ooh. So while looks-wise, you'd be out of my league, you're dying to get on my level when it comes to wealth and power. Totally. I'm a striver, right? A yes. climber. Like I said, a con as old as crime. Yes. We've seen this before. It's the second oldest crime. <laughs> but today, I want to tell you about a woman who was 
pretty great at this. Okay. Uh, she wasn't the most attractive gal, right. but that didn't stop her from getting men to do her bidding and line her pockets. Yeah. Her name? It's mellifluous. Okay. Bertha Heyman. Huh. Like, it's spelled like Heyman. Yo, that's like the, the in wrestling, there is a promoter named Paul Heyman. Uh-huh. He spells it exactly the same way. And he does one of my favorite things about Brock Lesnar. <laughs> the guy's amazing. So, so whenever you say, Bertha I'm just going to pretend that's his, that's, he's like, you know, she's his great grandmother. Sure. I like Heyman. this. Uh, the Heyman family. She's also known as Bertha Schlesinger. Bertha Schlesinger, okay. Uh-huh. Bertha Stanley. Bertha Stanley. She's got a lot of names. But she was known to most, especially law enforcement. Is Big Bertha. Oh, snap. Right? Big Bertha. Wait, this is like before the ships. Like, yeah, she's the she's, Big Bertha. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And the golf club. This. Yeah, and the before go- the, there yes. There it is. The Callaway. So, Bertha Heyman, Big Bertha, she was mm-hmm. born Bertha Schlesinger in 1851 in Kobelin, Prussia, which I am not saying correctly, but I can say Prussia, right? I say it sounded like Prussia to me. Sure. Uh, in mo- it's like Russia, it's but with a P. modern day Poland. Oh, that yeah. part. Okay. Yeah. Yes. So Heyman and her husband, Friedrich Karko, mm-hmm. they immigrated to New York City. So at that point, she's, I guess, you know, Bertha Karko. Okay. In 1867, she met a man named Henry Brandt. He, does that matter? No. Okay. But he was a saloon keeper in the Bowery. So that's cool. That is cool. That in sounds 1867, fun. he's just like he's got, got stories. He's got those like garters on his oh, arms. Oh, yeah, the arm braces. And, yeah. a, and a fun mustache. Uh-huh, like with the wax. And, and he's then, a mixologist. He's got one of those bowler caps. Mm-hmm. He looks he rides like. Rides a fixie. Yeah, he's like in the like a photo on the beginning of Cheers. Yes, completely. She conned him out of $200. Good for her. That's almost $6,000 today. Wow. A bartender. Uh, and of course, she never paid him back. Soon after this whole scam with Brant, uh, she and her husband moved to Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Oh, good Beautiful place for Milwaukee. She divorced her husband there, okay. and then she married a traveling suspender salesman. Get out. Why don't we have traveling suspender salesmen? <laughs> he was really a traveling like, suspender not, not, salesman. Not, hello, ma'am. Uh, your husband seems to be at work. Can I interest you in a pair of suspenders? Ma'am, do your husband's pants fall down all the time when you're in public? Does he is embarrass he, you at church functions? Is he a belts and braces guy? Let's yeah. get rid of the belt. Go right to the, yeah. Does he not like to have something around his midsection hoisting him up? He's like goes to I've Niagara got the Falls for you. and he gets that for the barrels for people. <laughs> He's just there hanging out there, just doing so great numbers. The here. traveling suspender salesman, yes. his name, John Heyman. Oh. So that's where she got that last name. She picked up that last name. He bailed did, on her. Oh, she didn't marry him. She did. Oh, she, she did. She divorced marry him. the, what's his name? Carco. Uh, Carco. <laughs> uh, and she married Hey Man. Uh-huh. And then he bailed. He was like, whatever, I'm out of here. He's like, bye, man. And she's like, guess what? I'm taking your name. Yeah, I'm Bertha Heyman now. 1881, this is what the Buffalo Evening News wrote about her. Quote She had what is described by the French as a belle figure. Hmm was a very attractive person and took your fancy the moment she fixed her big brown stag-like eyes upon you. Stag-like? Her, her wavy hair is soft and black and her hands are white, taper-fingered and filbert-nailed. She sat quietly with her dress open at the neck, revealing a shapely throat of a complexion creamy as the inner petals of a lily and her arms bare to the elbows, soft and dimpled. Well, I'm worried What's about up, this Buffalo person. What's up, Buffalo Evening News? Jesus, Buffalo Evening News. But Gets like a, a couple drinks in him. He's like, all right, let me, <laughs> I'll let me tell take you about this, this story. Guy. Now, hold on, though. Uh-huh. Here's how the San Francisco Examiner described her. Okay. Quote, 
A sight of Bertha is necessary to let one perceive how a woman with so much flesh and whose appearance has been so often referred to as homely could attract the attention and win the confidence of men. Her power lies in her eyes. They are brown, but of such a dark color they're bright enough to light up her entire countenance. She's not handsome, but she is not bad looking either, and accounts that have been given of her visage have been overdrawn. There is not a tailor's measure in the town that can encompass her ample form. Whoa. Anyone with an eye for distances can readily perceive that the lady has passed her hugging days. Oh. But to one who has such a contempt for men as she, this can occasion little regret. Bertha's massiveness in repose is not as effective as when she stands up. One finds himself involuntarily calculating whether more cloth is needed for the width than for the length of her garments when she's on her feet. When she's moved to the bath, which the prison officials kindly let her have in the receiving hospital, the impressive contours of her person were studied by everyone in the jail. Yet she can carry herself without any unusual amount of effort. Jesus. Right? I mean, like, I, I would love to see the, ma- I'm assuming, male journalist who wrote this. I mean, like, and then <laughs> the do, like, the looker. same thing. Like, he had eyes so small and pinched and that beady. moles would be jealous of their size. I mean, like. That's how it works. Jesus. I mean, works. the guy is just slaughtering. I like yeah. the Buffalo version. I mean. It was awfully nice. Well, she she stood five foot four. Okay. That's the reality. Yeah. And that's the reality. And she weighed between 250 and 300 pounds. Okay. Depending on the, on the reports. Based on the sketches of her in the many many newspaper articles around about yeah. her mm-hmm. i would describe her as rubenesque okay and so, so she's, she's a full-figured gal yeah and she's not particularly fine featured but she's mm-hmm. not ugly yeah you know she's not hideous uh this is what she had to say quote i take no pride in overveiling a fool the moment i discover a man's a fool i let him drop but i delight in getting into the confidence and pockets of men who think they can't be skinned it ministers to my intellectual pride <laughs> ministers to my intellectual pride. Yeah, who cares what she looks like? Whoa. She runs circles around dudes. Yeah. So after the suspender salesman left her, Bertha moved back to New York, and she lived in boarding houses. And that's where she would steal jewelry and forge checks. In, in boarding houses? Mm-hmm. Just from the other, I know. I, I in wouldn't there. think there wouldn't be a lot to steal. Well, I mean, I mean so you're I doing small time. Yeah, stuff. and it's probably if you're in this boarding house, you've got like your meager yeah, possessions. Totally, so I mean, you're just, getting traveling money. Yeah, basically. well, and she also would like kind of make her way into people's homes. And that's stuff what like I would that. think is you just go from a boarding house and you break into the local right. houses and then leave. And so on her way, she gets back to New York, mm-hmm. runs into Harry Brandt, the bartender. Okay, the first, yeah, the She's second like, guy. Guess where I've been? I've been in Milwaukee. And I just found out that I inherited $8 million. <laughs> That's the equivalent of $238 million today. Just pick a number. They hey, have... check me out. So I'm coming back to New York. I just need a float until this inheritance money comes through. And so, did, she, did he have any reason to believe that she came from money? No. Okay. Just, she's just she's convincing. Just surprised. Okay. She's confident. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so he gives her 960 bucks, which is okay. like $29,000 today. Damn. Uh, and that's that's a pittance if you think she's going to break you off part of almost a quarter of a billion dollars. Sure, but it's a lot if it's all your money. Yeah, and she didn't pay him back last time. Yeah, exactly. So she used the same line on a Frenchman named Edward Perrin. Uh, she said she'd pay him $2,000 a year to manage this, like, soon-to-be enormous estate of hers. 
And he was into it because he was only making $80 a month as a Pullman conductor at the time. <laughs> and he thought, of course, I should be selected to manage qualified. a you know, multi-million dollar. So he quits his job uh-huh. and he's like getting ready to start working for Bertha. He's slicking his hair down. Buying new hats. Bertha starts borrowing money from him to pay small debts. She's like, we're still waiting for the wire transfer. Like, I know you can I just take whatever $5 you have left? <laughs> uh, he, he wound up giving her more than $1,000 before he was like, um, can I get paid for this job? I've just been paying you. <laughs> I'm paying for the privilege she's of working. like, yes, I'll pay you back as soon as the inheritance is transferred. And then the penny finally drops for him and he realizes he's never getting paid back. Yes. So he goes to the cops. Bertha gets arrested, but she skips bail and takes off for Canada. And a friend of mine who's in AA, I'm not going to give a name because it's anonymous, right? That's the whole thing. Uh, he told me once that they have this thing about geographical cures. Hmm. And it's basically if you move, your problems move with you. Oh, and that's something that's always kind of stuck with me. Like, there's no geographical cure to your problem. So, like, you, I would have thought that there would be. You that's can't interesting. outrun yourself, or your and your behaviors don't change based on the scenery. Like, but a this, change of scenery doesn't allow you to change your behaviors, right? Huh. So you wow. got to get fixed bef- if you know fixed yeah. wherever you are. The outside in doesn't work. Yeah, and so I think that's like an interesting concept. But this totally. is true of criminals too. So in London, Ontario, Bertha got herself arrested. So she didn't think, oh, I'm going to become this new woman in in Canada. She just kept it up. She conned a businessman out of a couple hundred bucks. And then she tried to escape on a train, Mm. but was caught and then deported to New York City. Uh, And there she was wanted for like a number of thefts because they had started racking up after she got arrested. So she's basically extradited to face justice. Exactly. So she was found guilty in 1881 and got two years in prison at Blackwell's Island, what is now Roosevelt Island. Mm -hmm. Uh, right in the middle of the East River. She was there about five years before famed journalist Nellie Bly infiltrated yes. the place to write an expose about the brutality at the Women's Lunatic Asylum. Bad, there. bad Nellie Bly. Mm-hmm. So at sentencing, though, Bertha was a mess. She fainted. She sobbed. This is what the judge had to say. Quote, since I have heard the evidence in her trial, I've come to the conclusion that she is either a very weak-minded person and herself the victim of her own misplaced confidence or else she is an exceedingly daring and wicked woman. Only two options. Those are it. That's you know, it. One or the other. Idiot or genius. No gray areas. In 1883, the New York Times ran an article with the headline, Lying to Suit Herself. <laughs> uh, in it, Commissioner Jacob Hess of the Department of Charities and Corrections said, quote, Bertha Heyman is wait, a bad... Wait, the Department of Charities and, and corrections? corrections? So wait, prisons and charities it, is one department? It, it giveth and it taketh away. <laughs> I just, I don't mean to interrupt, but that's that's insane. Isn't it? This is what Jacob Hess had to say. Quote, Bertha Heyman is a bad woman, a very bad woman. This woman is utterly untrustworthy. She is as bad as bad can be (laughs) and would not scruple to swindle her associates in the prison if she could get a chance. (laughs) Like, okay, we get it. Yeah, you got to flare for the dramatic. He was All right, right. he was right because while she was in prison, she managed to swindle a thousand dollars out of a visitor. Out of a visitor? Uh huh. Was yeah. he even visiting her? Was <laughs> just like, hey, buddy? No, hey, psst, come here, wink, wink. Come on down this way. In in January of eighteen eighty three, the Chicago Tribune declared that Bertha had quote long since earned the sobriquet in the police circles and other cities as the quote confidence queen. Oh, I like let's it. take a break. Okay. When we come back, I'll tell you more about the amazing life and times of Big Bertha. Your tax refund belongs to you, not an identity thief. 
Over $6 billion in tax refunds were flagged by the IRS for possible identity theft in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. LifeLock monitors and alerts you to identity threats you may miss on your own, even if you're careful with your personal information. And if you do become the victim of tax-related identity fraud, LifeLock has U.S.-based restoration specialists ready to help solve your identity theft issues. Plus, all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package, meaning LifeLock will reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Let LifeLock help you protect your financial information so all you have to worry about is what to do with your tax refund. Go to LifeLock.com iHeart and save up to 25% your first year. That's 25% off at LifeLock.com iHeart. Identity theft protection starts here. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. I don't understand what the big fat ones are. You don't put those inside of you, do you? I mean, you do? This is a show about women. Okay, so I just reapply my lip gloss after eating a delicious lunch. We are headed back now to European political systems class at Baruch College. Woo! Finally, a show about women that isn't just a thinly veiled aspirational nightmare. That's it. That's actually the name of the show. It's not hosted, not narrated. We're just dropping into a woman's world. It's like reality TV on the radio. I found out when my dad was gay when I was 10. We were in a convertible on the 405 freeway, listening to the B-52s. And looking back, I should have said, this is gay. This is already all gay. <laughs> Listen to Finally a Show on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, Zarin. Hello, Elizabeth. Big Bertha. Thank you for calling me that. Yep. Later in 1883. Yes. When we left off, she was uh, doing some time. Uh, she uh, got out of jail, was convicted again of stealing $225 from a man named Edward Sanders. This time stealing? Stealing. Not she just, conned him? Or, well, they called it stealing in the paper, but I think stole... she conned him okay. out of it. She never really just kind of like broke in. Yeah, I didn't think she would go yeah. pickpocket. This is what the New York Sun had to say. Quote, the prisoner came into court wearing a black silk dress, black jersey, and a cartwheel hat smothered in feathers. She is black-eyed and black-haired, something like 40 years old, very stout and not good-looking. Edward Sanders, the complainant, is a small, nervous man with gray beard and thin hair. He has lost a leg. He testified yesterday that he was formerly a teacher of Greek, Latin, Hebrew, German, and French, and a preacher in societies and synagogues. He refused to speak in English and required the services of a translator. 
I'm just wondering the black jersey she was wearing was this like a Brooklyn Nets? <laughs> it like, was. Well, it she was, was a Brooklyn Nets jersey. She's like, that's what I'm wearing to court. Yeah, you know? and then like short jorts. She's like, wrong court, ma'am. <laughs> no, but actually, I like the jorts. That's what, that is formal wear. That is. No, wait a minute. I have to ask you. So I noticed that the journalist was rather rough on the one-legged former teacher as mm-hmm. well. Uh, so. Did it help him to, like, be associated with her because now the, everyone's can throw their opprobrium at her? I, I don't know. I don't know. He, he like, here's the thing. Like, so he he's this German speaker, mm-hmm. so he's not really full, and he's this rabbi, pretty totally. much. Yeah. Um, he's kind of this outsider in the society. Uh, here's what got them into this circus of a courtroom. Please. Bertha got a letter from Edward Sanders. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wrote to Bertha and proposed. Okay. Not a marriage, yeah. a con. Ooh. He wanted her to help him. They were going to swindle his business partner out of some cash using her typical, I'm about to be rich, can you spare a dime thing? Mm-hmm. Uh, they did get some money out of the guy. Then Bertha got scared and told the Mark about the plot. So oh. she ratted out Sanders. Sanders had a different version of what happened, though. He said he wrote to Bertha to ask her to move in with him and when she when she got out of prison. Uh, I don't think this was a romantic proposition because his wife and kids were in court. Oh. So I thought maybe he's like doing a charitable thing. Or his whatever. wife's broad-minded. Or, you know, <laughs> I don't judge. Exactly. You know, maybe he had an arrangement. Uh, anyway, yes. Sanders said he knew of no such plot to scam his business partner. Yeah. The jury took pity on the amputee and took his word over Bertha's. Bertha got five years. Hmm. And was released in 1887. I kind of guessed that she'd catch the, you know, She would catch the, the heat on that one. This, and he's yeah. like, I'm a poor guy, yeah. doesn't speak English, and I don't have a leg. Uh, Bertha, though, she could swindle anyone. She convinced her attorney that she was really secretly wealthy and that she'd cut him in. Her attorney? If, yeah, if he... <laughs> she pulled the con on her if attorney? If he represented her for free <laughs> later on down the line. Give me so a pro bono. And... Pro bono. Uh-huh. Stepped in. She got a great attorney. Uh so Bertha gets convicted of theft. She did the five years. She did those five years in Sing Sing. Oh. What's a con gal going to do upon release from prison? Um, Write a book. I wish. God, I <laughs> no, wish. This is before write a book. was an option like, for a woman, exactly I think. Exactly true. Well, New York was too hot. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was in all the papers. Everyone knew who she was. In fact, she's like making it into papers across the country. I bet at this point you got syndicated wire. Because she's such wire. an oddity yeah. and like interesting story. And the name, Big Bertha. I mean, that's right. going to sell papers. Right. A woman confidence trickster who seduced wallets mm-hmm. without being the 1880s equivalent of a manic pixie dream girl. Yeah, basically. You know? I mean, like she should either go down to Florida or Europe because they ain't going to be able to like she, go play Chicago. She was a force. She was an ocean liner of a woman. Yeah. She knew where she had to go. Huh. A frontier. A place where people could reinvent themselves. Oh, that's smart, too. Where labels and histories of the stuffy East Coast just didn't matter, Zarin. Huh. She went to San Francisco. Oh, nice. I was wondering. I'm like, is it Seattle? I was trying to like, go run down the mm-hmm. options at that time. San Francisco. San Francisco, of course. 1888. The Paris of the West. Totally. 1888. Almost 40 years prior, the place was a commercial hub of newly minted states. Yeah, the gold rush, everything's popping. Yeah, a former Mexican sandy outpost. Mm-hmm. The population boomed following the discovery of gold in the foothills in 1849. In 1850, the population of San Francisco was 25,000 people. Hmm. In 1860, 56,000 people. Hmm. In 1888, when Bertha got there, it was nearing 300,000. Wow. It's a huge boom. Today, totally. the population is about... Uh, 834,000 people in a seven by seven mile area. Yeah, totally. So, San Francisco in 1888 was thrilling. 
my family had been there already for 36 years. Ooh, look Ooh, at y'all. <laughs> um, there were still elements of the mining boom and the pioneer outlook. Uh-huh. More importantly, there was still mining money yes. around. The city was growing. It was adopting more and more luxury aspects of things. And internationalism. Yeah, colleges, uh-huh. uh, fine hotels, mm-hmm. libraries, mm-hmm. yacht clubs. All the best. Banks. Oh, yeah. Opera houses, uh-huh. designer dress shops. It was a port city. <laughs> yes. It had it all. People and goods came and went. And there went 37-year-old Bertha. So, and don't forget they said she looked 40 earlier, so ouch. Mm. Um, in a city crawling with con artists and swindlers, as we well know. Oh, yeah. She fit right in. So it's early February, 1888. She did not arrive alone. She was accompanied by a guy that she said was her stepson. Okay. 23-year-old Willie Stanley. She didn't get married in between. No. Okay. So she just uh, picked up a stepson. Well, and she's going by the name Bertha Stanley. Oh, Okay. New place, new you. Just no husband. Right. She's well, got the stepson, the new name, but no man. As always, there's no geographical cure for her criminality. Yeah. So call, Elizabeth. she arrives in the city. She gets in touch with a childhood friend of hers from Prussia. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, Russia with a P. Yes. <laughs> like f- friends with no R. Um, rabbi A.J. Messing. Okay. I like, it's her friend from childhood. Mm-hmm. I like to imagine that he was a child rabbi. <laughs> AJ, child rabbi, bearded child rabbi, coming this fall to TLC. So she rolled up. I'm to a his house. quickly. What? <laughs> she rolled up to his house and she tells him, "I messed up. Okay, I married a Gentile, a goy, a non-Jew. This Stanley character, back in Illinois. You with the goyim. He died though. Yeah, and I'm now a widow. She says, uh, a widow with a major inheritance, <laughs> like hundreds of thousands of dollars." And it's all tied up in Illinois. And then she's saying that she and her stepson, you know, they're here just trying to, like, make their way. And she found out that her friend from childhood was was living there. Now, she and her stepson are noticeable. They're drenched in jewels. They're, like, flashing oh. cash. Oh, really? Yeah. She said she came to San Francisco for this fresh start. She wanted to remarry, this time a good Jewish man. Mm. And she wanted to use her incoming riches for the good of the community. Okay. I have all this money. I'm just new here. Let me give you tons of money. Tell me where the mutual aid is. She's asked the rabbi, can you help me? Okay. Sure. Can you help me help others is what she's asking him. She wants him to play matchmaker and introduce her to a good man. Oh, okay. And Messing knows just the guy. I thought he was going to be the good man. Uh -uh. So she wants to be, okay. He he introduces her to his brother-in-law, Abraham Grun. Uh And he, he introduces the two and it is love at first sight for Grun. He's he just adores her. Bertha starts donating large sums to the synagogue. Uh, they use this to repaint the place and fix some things. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, the congregation got started on the work before they cashed the check from Bertha. I was wondering, I'm like, she has money all of a sudden? They, they have you this, see how yeah, silly I am. Right? They have this check from a bank in Illinois. Yeah, and they're like, course. oh, great. Okay, it's going to take a while to wire it. Oh. So let's just here pay them now and we'll get those, these workers coming in Now, did they go here. and cash the check at their local bank and the local bank then comes back to them and says, hey, by the well, way. Well, yeah, the bank the bank transfer was delayed because the bank in Illinois had no record of a Mr. or Mrs. Stanley in their sure. books. And the congregation believed Bertha when she told them that it was just a clerical error and that she had a lawyer in Illinois working on it. Meanwhile, Grun had it bad for her. Bertha had been staying at the Palace Hotel a posh establishment right on Market Street that stands today. Um, And then she moved to an apartment in the city. Grun would come calling every day at 9 a.m. Every day. She wasn't up yet. 
Oh. And so he would have to wait until she woke up to see her. So he's the personification of thirst. Uh-huh. <laughs> Soon they're engaged. So Rabbi Messing, he threw a party for the couple on March 18th. Please remember that Bertha arrived the first week of February. Oh, damn. So he's Six throwing in an engagement seven party. Seven weeks, yeah. Time's a wasting, I suppose. The invitations were sent out, dozens of them. It asked for guests to wear full formal dress. Everyone was thrilled to be able to meet this fascinating woman with all this money. <laughs> Zarin. Yes. Close your eyes. Oh, now it's a wedding. My eyes are closed. <laughs> well, this is an engagement party. Sorry, engagement party. My <laughs> eyes are closed. You own a green grocer in San Francisco. You're a respected member of the community, a widower with grown children. You attend the synagogue Beth Israel on Turk Street, led by Rabbi Messing. Mm. You pull up to 708 O'Farrell Street in San Francisco in a horse-drawn carriage. Shabbat shalom. You have no idea that 135 years later, it would be almost smack dab in the Tenderloin neighborhood, <laughs> and that the area would be rife with open public drug use and homelessness. <laughs> that the home you're about to enter would later be lumped in with the building next door to make for a large apartment building holding down the corner of O'Farrell and Hyde. Oh, wow. Right? Raw. <laughs> now, on this Sunday night, March 18th, 1888, you are visiting the well-appointed home of your rabbi. You've been invited to attend the engagement party of Abraham Grun and a woman you've been told is a formidable, very wealthy widow. You are delighted to make her acquaintance. I love rich women. <laughs> As you step down from the carriage into the foggy evening, you see other swells arriving in all their finery. They chatter in excitement. Women sport the latest fashions from Paris. Men wear exquisite suits and top hats. You climb the stairs to the parlor and walk into a lovely scene. In the warm parlor, people gather and chat while listening to a young woman play the piano. The lilting waltz gently tinkles through the conversations of those gathered. It's over the waves, you think. You were hoping Rabbi Messing had one of those new phonographs you'd heard of, but the live music will do. A hush falls over the party guests as Bertha and her stepson Willie enter the parlor. They are dressed to the nines. Hobo, hobo. That's a whole lot of rosy, you think to yourself. You like a lady with some meat on her bones. She's a little young for you, though. She's already spoken for, but still, fat thighs save lives, you mutter to yourself. <laughs> I can hear myself saying it now. She's dripping in diamonds, in her hair, on her neck, dangling from her ears. Her stepson, Willie's no slouch in that area either. Oh, he fancy too. Oh, he's got diamond studs down the front of his shirt and a flashy diamond pinky ring. Mm. The man behind you, a local jeweler, whispers to his wife that the gems must be worth $20,000 easily. You think to yourself that the amount would likely be 640000 or so 135 years from then, in the year 2023, <laughs> the distant future. I'm always doing math like that. I know. You hear two women over to the side, though, whispering that the stuff is all likely fake. Paste, they say. Mm. You wonder if they're onto something or just jealous. This Mrs. Stanley, or soon-to-be Mrs. Grun, is getting a lot of attention. Grun clears his throat. He presents Bertha with a lovely diamond engagement ring. The jeweler behind you tells a friend that he sold that to Grun for $300. In your estimation, that would be $9,600 in 2023. Whoa. Why are you so fixated on 2023, you wonder? Can't help myself. You had a dream last night in which people were talking about you and this evening in 2023. <laughs> it was weird. Like, you could hear the people talking through little rectangles. It's practically ridiculous. Yeah. You figured it was the spicy borscht you ate for dinner that gave you such a strange dream. Probably. Not. Anyway, Bertha then pulls out a check from her clutch and presents it to Grun. $30,000, she proclaims. The crowd gasps. Oh. Why, you think that's more than $960,000 in 2023. <laughs> no more bedtime borscht for you. 
Everyone cheers and the music starts back up. Willie pops the cork on a champagne bottle and the elixir begins to flow. It appears to you that Willie has already consumed a fair bit of the bubbly this evening. The revelry continues and you feel joyous, jolly. It's wonderful to see people in love, Zarin. I love love. And you're thrilled that this woman of means is so dedicated to giving back to the community. Hours later, as you wait outside for your carriage, you look into the foggy night and you think about your late wife, your good fortune, and how lovely the champagne was. A week later, an article about the party and Mrs. Stanley ran in the San Francisco Examiner. I was there. Remember, that paper was not particularly kind to her. Hmm, that's true. And this time it's especially so. Hmm. It's an expose. Uh-oh. What's the title? This is great. This Newspaper is- boy, come here. <laughs> Ma and Willie. Mrs. Stanley's marital engagement and sudden departure. Is her wealth real? Rabbi Messing's friend, the subject of much lively gossip. The bridegroom is still game. Like, it's those old newspaper headlines with multiple. All the subheadings. That's a headline. It's a headline and a half. Let's take a break. When we come back, I'll tell you what it was in that article and the scandal that it brought. All right. Is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. I don't understand what the big fat ones are. You don't put those inside of you, do you? I mean, you do? This is a show about women. Okay, so I just reapply my lip gloss after eating a delicious lunch. We are headed back now to European political systems class at Baruch College. Woo! Finally, a show about women that isn't just a thinly veiled aspirational nightmare. That's it. That's actually the name of the show. It's not hosted, not narrated. We're just dropping into a woman's world. It's like reality TV on the radio. I found out when my dad was gay when I was 10. We were in a convertible on the 405 freeway, listening to the B-52s. Looking back, I should have said, this is gay. This is already all gay. (laughs) Listen to Finally a Show on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Martha Stewart, and we're back with a new season of my podcast. This season will be even more revealing and more personal, with more entrepreneurs, more trailblazers, more live events, more Martha, and more questions from you. I'm talking to my cosmetic dermatologist, Dr. Dan Belkin, about the secrets behind my skincare. Walter Isaacson, about the geniuses who change the world. Encore Jane about creating a billion-dollar startup. Dr. Elisa Pressman about the five basic strategies to help parents raise good humans. Florence Fabricant about the authenticity in the world of food writing. Be sure to tune in to season two of the Martha Stewart Podcast. Listen and subscribe to the Martha Stewart Podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, 
or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi. Hello. Hi. Elizabeth Dutton. Hi. When we left off... (laughs) Bertha yes. and her fiance uh-huh. were toasting their engagement at Rabbi Messing's house. With I was all, there. You were there. Yes, great party. Along with all the elites of Jewish society in San Francisco, and a week later, I was dressed to the sevens. You were totally. <laughs> you were dressed to the twelves. <laughs> a week later, the San Francisco Examiner wrote all about yes. it. In fact, they wrote all about Bertha. Mm-hmm. This investigative paper didn't seem to connect, though, that Bertha Stanley was the big Bertha conning her way around New York. <laughs> Absolutely not. They just thought they had a brand new con artist in town. Isn't that amazing? Everything's brand new. Yeah. So they tell the story of Bertha's arrival in San Francisco with her stepson and her reconnection with Rabbi Messing and how Messing hooked Bertha up with Abraham Grun. This is how they describe Grun. Quote, Abraham Grun, the young partner of Dr. Messing's son in the lace business and who is a connection of the rabbi by marriage, was introduced to Mrs. Stanley. And though she is said to be a not very attractive woman, 45 or more years old, he fell madly in love with her and begged her hand in marriage. Mr. Grun, being a very persistent young man and well-skilled in all these seductive arts of the commercial traveler, (laughs) soon persuaded the rich dame to accept his hand and heart. Okay. So he's like, you know, sexy traveling salesman seeks wealthy widow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and I love that they can't get, like, she's not attractive. Got to make sure that's Got to get that one in there. And she, she's Can pushing, we put that in the headline? She's at least 45. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the article goes on. It exposes the rumors of Mrs. Stanley's phony fortune. Mm-hmm. Uh, bad checks to the synagogue. Mm-hmm. The stiffed liquor store that supplied the booze for the engagement party. Oh. She paid them with another bad Illinois check. She promised people cash. She borrowed cash. Uh, They noted that people called the bank in Illinois and confirmed that they had never heard of Bertha. But Bertha explained that away by saying that she told the bank to say that. (laughs) Of course they would say that. Privacy reasons. I asked them to say that. Just tell them I'm not here. Yeah. The article said that this budding scandal is all the buzz in the Jewish community. Um, what they were calling the Hebrew community in the paper. Oh, yeah, no, it's uh, common at the time. Some of the people in the community are offended, and others were laughing at those who were duped because they were just so eager to cozy up to a rich lady. They didn't oh, think about I it. Oh, I got you. The paper announced that Bertha had ended her engagement. Oh. She called it off. Bertha part, ended it. Bertha ended it, in part because Grun was so clingy. <laughs> I told you. That He's, boy thirsty. Yeah. It's just coming You're off. You're coming him. over and waking me up at 9, 9 every day. Yeah, I mean, come on now. The article also put forth that Grun was unswayed by this rejection. Uh, he still wanted to call on her and, like, send her gifts. He wanted to kiss her sweet lips, Darren. <laughs> so he becomes obsessive. Well, and he, yeah, he's completely obsessed. And on the day that she leaves town... He does all this stuff. So the impetus for the article was the fact that Bertha had skipped town for L.A. Yeah, I figured she's in the wind. She's gone. Well, before leaving, she kissed Grun goodbye. Okay. And uh, he held his fingers to his lips for like 12 hours afterwards. Get Um, the heck out. No, I made that up. Okay. Uh, But he he could believe it, right? (laughs) Totally. I'm over here believing it because I'm gullible today. Yeah, and I'm a con. Uh, So then uh, she headed to a hat shop. She kissed him goodbye. Smooch. And then she heads to a hat shop and buys a bonnet. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what I do when I skip town. You're traveling. Uh, she didn't have the cash for it, though. No. So she borrowed $50 from the shop owner to pay for the. Just give me the hat, right? 
I'm, let me borrow 50 bucks. I'll give it back to you immediately. All the stories are like, so she, give me the hat. I don't have cash on me. Can I borrow 50 bucks? He's Great. Just, like, okay. Let's and add then, a step to this. Right. Uh, so, <laughs> totally. So it's like, cha-ching. Remember, the article hadn't come out yet. And a lot of people didn't know about the scam when she sure. was like, some people just don't read fronted. the newspaper. Yeah. So, well, no, everyone read the paper, but mm-hmm. like when she bought the hat, the article oh, hadn't been oh, out. Oh, I got yeah. you. I got you. It's too early. Okay. So, Bertha and Willie, they're skipping town. They hop on a ferry to cross the bay mm-hmm. and then they jumped on a train headed for LA. She sent telegrams back to Grun and Messing saying that she'd gone to LA to get her finances straightened out. You know, <laughs> you know there's, there's bigger banks there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's not like San Francisco <laughs> the is financial the institution. financial center of the West Coast. Uh, she said she'd be back and that she was going to send Willie up shortly to mm-hmm. settle up all the bills. Like, don't worry. Yeah, so well, Willie's going to take back. care of it. My Willie will do it. The next day, the examiner ran another article. And that's because Dr. Messing went to them and was like, you're messing with me. Oh, Deborah messing around. No, that's what I kept thinking. (laughs) Now, wait a minute. He was her childhood friend. Is he mad or does he know who she is? Well, I'm so glad you brought that up. Okay. So he's like, I want to set the record straight. First things first, I didn't know her from before. Oh, she apparently they were like from the same town, but he's like, I didn't recognize her. She, she was naming names. I that... knew a family with that name in the town, but come on, Schlesinger, like, yeah. it's there's common. He said he didn't in- introduce her to Grun to huh. uh, Abraham, and that he only let them have the party at his house as a favor to his brother in law, Grun. Uh, he admits to like, okay, I got snowed by her promises of large donations. I'll, I'll cop to that. So I'm an idiot, not a conspirator. Right. And then he said that there wasn't a huge party filled with men in tuxedos and women in the latest fashions and all the luminaries and commercial magnets of Hebrew society. <laughs> what was it? No, it was just like, he. it wasn't them. He's like, you know what? Imagine all the Hebrews going dumb, dancing on top of chariots, turning tight ones, you know, as E-40 <laughs> yeah, would, yeah. okay. uh-huh. would have no, it. No, like, it was like three people. <laughs> Was and, nice we, to and we knew. Him. Thank you. I had to get that. <laughs> yeah, in there. it was good. It was bu- brimming in your Imagine eyes. Imagine all the Hebrews. <laughs> uh, he uh, also said, as soon as the article came out the day before, that he sent a telegram to Bertha in L.A. He's like, "Look, girl, you said that you know you all these things. They're false. Your business is all over the paper. Mm-hmm. You better come back here, fix it." So she left L.A. <laughs> And headed to East Texas. <laughs> so, yeah. She and Willie, they were apprehended in Texas. Sent back like to... Like Beaumont? Somewhere no, terrible? No, I don't remember what it was. But anyway, okay. yeah, it was probably... It was horrible. Yeah. So she goes to... No offense, Texas. Well, I mean, I think the oil town of Beaumont knows yeah. that even, you know... So she goes back to San Francisco to face criminal and civil charges. Okay. Three months later, in June of 1888, we are on a thrill ride, Zarin. This started in <laughs> February 1888. She's pulling a madness. By June, she's been extradited back to San Francisco. From East Texas. She's giving interviews to the examiner from her cell at the county jail. Nice. Everyone had put it together by this point that Bertha Heyman was Bertha, was Big Bertha. Okay, they, they, they stitched it together. They finally figured it out. She was known in the papers at the time as the Confidence Queen. Yeah. So she's holding court like a queen. Uh-huh. She had a dressmaker at the jail crafting fashions. A for dressmaker? Her. Yeah. She's like, in oh, the it was, middle. It was like incarcerated with her? No, no, no. She no. brings one to jail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. She's in, she's having her interview with the examiner. She's like, can you give me one second? <laughs> they need me over in the other room to take my measurements. <laughs> I got to do my chalk lines. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> wow. She was having her photo taken, or as they say in the South, having her picture made. Yeah. 
In this, this, this feels like if, if Rihanna was in prison. Yes. You know, like she's got a wine glass. Yes, exactly. She's going from cell to cell. And she had worked out a deal to take uh, to take to the stage uh-huh. in a show at Woodward's Gardens, uh, which was an amusement park at the corner of Mission and 14th in San Francisco. Okay. Uh, oh, had, wow. Mission and yeah, 14th. Okay. Like right under the freeway Yeah, now. exactly. Right at the end. Okay. She had no experience on the stage, but she was really excited about this. You know, she's yeah, a goer. Yeah. What does she care? She figured people would just show up just to, like, look at her and that she would, you know, take their money, but this time in an above board way. (laughs) Totally. It was legit. And then she could pay off all these debts. Uh So the Examiner articles from the time are so amazing. Like, I just wish I could just sit here and read them all to you. (laughs) Here are some gems. Quote, she has a soft, sympathetic voice, a graceful manner, a winning smile, and a nameless quality which makes everyone forget that she's stout and does not possess any claim to what is usually considered beauty. Jesus. <laughs> so a, mean. What do they call it? A nameless? A she na- has a nameless, nameless quality. quality. A nameless quality. A graceful manner, a winning smile, yeah, a nameless I like the, quality. the nameless quality that is this thing that we are going to name. Yeah. <laughs> you can't be named. Her, but but all these things are going to make us forget that she's ugly. You know what that thing is? I don't know how I forget she's ugly. These people are horrible Dude, people. Dude, the San Francisco people are real rough. Here's an even better exchange between the defense attorney and Abraham Grun on the witness stand. Oh, Yes. Give me that law and order energy. Quote, pardon my delicate question, but if not too bold, how old are you? He asked. I am. uh, Yes, that is uh, 38, I believe. (laughs) Yes. uh, Were you born in Egypt or? uh, No. Russia is the home of my childhood, the land of the nihilist and the bear. (laughs) (laughs) That is the most Russian answer ever. (laughs) But I love that you're born in Egypt or what? You're Hebrew. Uh, when you met the defendant at Dr. Messing's house, did yes. you fall in love with her in the old delicious yum-yum way, like you giddy young, pe- young people will at times? What? <laughs> did the you giddy fall- yum-yum way? Did you fall in love with her in the old delicious yum-yum way? The old delicious yum-yum way. I mean, I've done that, but come on now. Oh, yeah, give it a lick. But he's saying that's what giddy young people do. Yeah. Bertha, this is in the article, Bertha giggled, but Grun studied the lines on his hands and answered, yes, after a while. Was it with my fair client or with her supposedly vast worldly possessions that he had the yum yum on? I thought I could better my worldly position, but she was so rich, don't you know? But I guess I did love herself too. Wow. Yeah. His honor stopped the attorney. I love his don't you know. (laughs) His honor stopped the attorney with a stamp of his foot. Uh These susceptible young men must not be ridiculed, sir. I was young and sentimental once myself and wrote poetry in the gloaming too. So forbear. (laughs) The attorney responds, I'll treat him as delicately as a spring chicken. Wow. This is like the craziest. century is jumping out of this so It's so yum yum. I can't take it. The attorney later asked, quote, you did kiss and caress her? In the gloaming? <laughs> and the judge interrupted and said, quote, well, I suppose we all know what they do, and then winked. Wow! It's like, the, here's the thing, the trial was the hottest ticket in town. Apparently. And I see why. Like, yes. I would have stood in line for this. I don't I don't wait in lines. I would wait in line Yeah, no, to Judge get Judy this. could never. There, crowds would, like, push in every day, and they would only let in a few, and then everyone would be all pissed off and go out on the street. Um, Bertha gets acquitted. Spoiler alert, Hmm. Bertha gets acquitted. The courtroom erupts into cheers. 
everyone's just freaking out. They're all excited. Willie got six months. Willie took the fall. Really? Yeah. So if the Willie fit, then, you, <laughs> then Bertha you, gets acquitted? Bertha gets acquitted. Uh, January 1889, mm-hmm. Bertha's back in court. <laughs> this was for obtaining money under false pretenses, all like right. the last case. Uh-huh. But it, And it was all the same players. Bertha, Willie, Grun, Messing. The first trial was about jewelry. Yeah. The second one, this one, was about Bertha getting money for real estate that didn't exist. Oh, okay. Yeah. Once again, Bertha won out, found not guilty. And once again, the gallery of folks watching in the courtroom just erupted into cheers. <laughs> and this the judge yells, stop that noise. It is highly improper. Clear uh, clear the court. Yes. But everyone's like, woo, party in Woodward's Gardens. Um, this was the last of the charges that could be brought against Bertha. So she was truly a free woman at this point. Oh, wow. Deck cleared. Yeah. Ready to go. Double indemnity guaranteed. So she took her act on the road. Uh-huh. And I'm going to read you parts of a brief article. Hot biscuits, it's good. <laughs> All right, butter so, it up. This is from the San Francisco Chronicle, February 9th, 1890. Headline, she plays havoc with Bakersfield sports. Quote, Big Bertha Stanley has, since the culmination of her famous suit, used her vigorous bodily attractions to impress the ubiquitous museum attender. Go, it goes on to say that she's performed in L.A. Yeah. Is that like an epithet? Like, I, like, I suppose so. You know him, he's a museum you know, attender. No, it's like the trash that goes to the Carney show is yeah, basically yeah, what they're saying. That's hilarious. So they say that she performed in L.A., she performed in Sacramento, Stockton. She's hitting all oh, the glamour spots. City. God bless Stockton. Yeah. And now she's in Bakersfield. Quote, since the arrival of Big Bertha in Bakersfield, she seems to have created quite a furor among the blooded young gentlemen of that locality. <laughs> It is not an uncommon thing for her to turn into her employer $250 in a single night, the proceeds of a wholesale champagne slaughter. One young man in particular has been completely fascinated by the fair and fat Bertha, and the manner in which he is allowing his money to fly is the side talk of the town. They're calling some guy out for spending all this money on her. Why can't these guys just have fun? I don't get it. It (laughs) It goes on. For an indefinite time, the sporty inhabitants of Bakersfield will have golden opportunities to see the erstwhile confidence queen, whose business it is now to troll out ungrammatical ditties and chuckle the chins of admirers who have large stock of the needful. Do you, th- do you think she was <laughs> super funny? I think she was absolutely hilarious. Like, it sounds like she was super charismatic. I think she was holding court like Dorothy Parker. Charismatic, funny, yeah. smart. Real, real quick, I imagine. Super quick. And then seductive in a way mm-hmm. that is based on her confidence as a who yeah. she knows who she is. Oh, yeah. She's amazing. You went into that her. mystery, right? I love her. I think she's awesome. She continued to play all over California. Right. And then she went back to San Francisco for stands at the Bella Union Theater. Oh, wow. Yeah. 1893, she moved to Butte, Montana. Huh. You know, frontier Silver town rush. still, okay. I suppose. She bought a theater and bar there. And okay. then by 1900, she was living in Chicago running a dive, as they said in the paper. I'm guessing it's like a bar casino. Oh, you know? okay. Yeah, makes sense. And she died in 1901 in Chicago. The article about her death in the Anaconda Standard out the of Montana. Anaconda Standard. <laughs> this is the, like, yeah, the, it's a Montana paper. <laughs> provides some details about her final years. All right. Uh, she never had any trouble with the law in Butte, and she palled around with a guy named Charles Marion, a.k.a. Boston Charlie. Hmm. So that guy had been running pool halls and gambling dens in San Francisco until he was run out of town in 1895. Okay. Then he went to New York, where he was busted multiple, multiple times. Mm-hmm. Then he made his way to Butte, much to the chagrin of lawmen and upstanding citizens there. Then he went back to Boston, where he ran an opium smuggling ring. Oh, wow. You know, Boston Charlie. 
Anyway, Bertha. So the Anaconda Standard described her as, quote, she weighed more than 300 pounds and was as ungainly as a mud turtle. Whoa. Yet she was proud of her shape, and she really had the idea that she was attractive. She was so vain of her elephantine proportions Whoa. that she had herself photographed in tights and numerous ridiculous poses during her residence in Butte. A well-known Butte man has a set of those remarkable pictures and prizes them among his collection of curios. <laughs> Now that's an obituary. Yeah, heck yeah. So she was so basically rude. doing like low grade, like, like soft horror burlesque porn, yeah, if you I will. Suppose like, so. you Just... know, like, like uh, heat them up pictures. Yeah, yeah, I suppose so. No, it seems like, uh, I mean, you know, coming from the black community, we view bigger women, I think, differently than these reporters. Like, I'm just <laughs> just hearing it is wild because, like, you know, a confident black woman who's bigger, there is no difference of in her sexiness than mm -hmm. a woman who's slightly smaller. It doesn't. It's it's the it's the woman you're attracted to. The confidence, right? Right. 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 It's it's weird hearing this. Be they're constantly isolating that, except for obviously you know the one paper. Well, and there are things where it's like not really relevant. But yeah, they they're keep just throwing it in. it in there. It's like, like it can't... offends them. Yeah, yeah, it's like a foul wind. Uh, you know, the like, who did this? <laughs> well, weird. and also it's a lot earlier than you would think. Like we're always told that beauty standards really changed much later than this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right, that's a really good point, producer Dave. Yeah, yeah. They totally. wanted they wanted her to be delicate and bird like, and she's like, nah, nah, dude, I'm a Sherman tank. Look yeah, out, exactly. Love her totally. So, what's your ridiculous takeaway? These writers, man. <laughs> wow, I, mean, I just can't get over yum yum. Yeah, so the yum yum is amazing. Like some of the like slang of the time, mm -hmm. that, just amongst not hip people. Yeah, you know yeah, that the just newspaper. seems just seems kind of fun. The perfect writing of the newspapers is just straight up ridiculous, and the fact that these people are so focused on the, the the external, if you will, that they miss all of the aspects of the crime and the more interesting aspects of these men and everything that's going on oh, in their yeah. culture as it's changing and these new people are coming to town and changing places like Butte, you know, like they're like, it's this woman, you know, like they're just so focused. And like, obviously we still live in these times where it's like, what's the woman doing? So, I mean, I'm right. not surprised, but it's ridiculous. What I do like though, is that even while they're insulting her repeatedly for no reason, yeah. She has the agency in all these stories mm -hmm. that the men are sort of irrelevant. Totally. And they're just these faceless dimwits. These fawning, love-struck... And, like, and they're painted as these fools. And yeah. so she's the one who... She grabs the attention and then she's obviously in charge of it. But yet, I think because of that, they have to continue to insult her. Yeah, totally. I mean, yeah. they're like mad that she got one over and that she's able to like turn these guys out. Yeah. Yeah, she's breaking up like their structure of how women are supposed to look, yeah. how they're, they're supposed, supposed to, to be, act. How, what they're supposed to get, mm -hmm. what they're supposed to be able to do. I love Big Bertha. Yeah, I'm a fan. She's amazing. Rock on, Bertha. That's all I have. Well, you can. You. You're so welcome, Zarin. You can find us online at RidiculousCrime.com, which is an absolutely beautifully uh, laid out website. Like, it's so forward thinking. And Designers sweet. constantly, they, they mm -hmm. text me and they go, who did this? Yeah. How did you do this? Uh -huh. and was this allowed? Is this legal? Because this is so mm -hmm. far ahead of the times and yet it's so of the times. It's I was perfect. like, I know, right? It's amazing. I, I had nothing it. to do with it. It's the greatest thing ever. There's merch there, I think. It really I is. Know, maybe. I love merch. Uh, we're at Ridiculous Crime on both Twitter and Instagram. Do not email us at RidiculousCrime at gmail.com. <laughs> Just put care of Elizabeth Dutton at... <laughs> yeah? No? No. Uh, at uh, AOL.com <laughs> Leave us a talk back on the iHeart app My goodness, please do that uh, Other than that, next time
Ridiculous Crime is hosted by Elizabeth Dutton and Zaren Burnett. That's me. Produced and edited by Dave Couston, king of the confidence tricksters. That's him. Research is by meaty Marissa Brown and ample Andrea Song Charpentier. The theme song is by Bakersfield Burlesque Boys, Thomas Lee and Travis Dutton. Host wardrobe is provided by Botany 500. Executive producers are Rabbi Ben Bolin and winking judge Noel Brown. This just in. This is Brandy Rebecca trying the Pepsi ketchup or what do we call it? Cola chup. Um, cheers. Okay, well, it's not that bad. Um, I would give it a solid 7 out of 10. I would actually probably buy this. Um, so you guys should definitely try it if you get a chance. Ridiculous crime. Say it one more time. Ridiculous crime. Ridiculous Crime is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You don't put those inside of you, do you? This is a show about women. I mean, you do? Yes. Finally, a show about women that isn't just a thinly veiled aspirational nightmare. It's not hosted, not narrated. We're just dropping into a woman's world. I found out when my dad was gay when I was 10. We were in a convertible on the 405 freeway, listening to the B-52s. Looking back, I should have said, this is gay. This is already all gay. <laughs> Listen to Finally a Show on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Vanessa Bayer, and this is my brother, Jonah. And we are so excited to have you hear the latest season of our nostalgia-themed podcast, How Did We Get Weird? Not only do you get to know me and my brother, you get to know the stories that made us the absolutely rad people we are today. Like you, Jonah, who's a music person and also a mental health counselor. And you, Vanessa, who is an actress, comedian, and I think you even wrote a children's book. Wow. I sure did. Check out our episodes where we've welcomed hilarious guests like our friend Andy Samberg. That's it. That's really it. And Queen Casey Wilson. I really went cart before the horse. I said, I think I have an opportunity to interview Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> As a high school student. Plus legendary sisters Amber Ruffin and Lacey Lamar. Top. You would pull the bag out and then we would eat okay. the eat all the leftover the leftover chocolate chips, which was a lot. Then you'd roll the oh, barrel up, so to, up the hill. And then one of us would get inside the barrel and they'd push you down. And we've also had an amazing guest like Mike the Miz, Jason Isbell, Carrie Brownstein and Corin Tucker of Slater Kinney, and many more. And you do not want to miss out on our funny segments like Change.Dork. <laughs> Change.Dork. And congratulations, you played yourself. Congratulations, you played yourself. Listen to our podcast, How Did We Get Weird, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.